we're women, we cry it out sometimes, you know, and, and we're there for one another to, to lift them up. And, you know, we, we talked to some of the, the women, some of the younger women that, you know, some things were going on that they were talking about possibly leaving the industry and the week that they spent at Pine Needle realizing they had this support system that they never knew they had changed their, their decision. They're like, well, maybe I'm going to stick it out. Maybe these women will help me find a different spot where I fit better. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Wonderful Women of Golf. I'm Rick Wolfel. Jennifer Torres is making quite an impact in the turf industry. Torres is the superintendent at Westlake Golf and Country Club in Jackson Township, New Jersey, not far from New York City. She's also at the forefront of the movement to enhance the status of women in the turf industry. She was part of the core of women who volunteered at the recent United States Women's Open Championship. On this edition of Wonderful Women of Golf, Torres shares her experiences at Pine Needles and discusses the evolving status of women in the turf industry industry. Jennifer, great to have you with us on this edition of Wonderful Women of Golf. You joined us uh, last year and this year. We're happy to have you back in the aftermath of the U.S. Women's Open. Thanks for making the time. It's great to be back. I love everything that you're doing for us, and it's, it's awesome to take the time and speak with you. Let's start with the lead up to the women's open, the women's and women in turf movement has really made a lot of progress over the last year. And I think last year's event at the Olympic club with uh, the core female volunteers was kind of a catalyst, but just how has it grown and evolved over the last uh, 12 months? Uh, Rick, since that event, you know, those, those women that were, had the opportunity to be there, they said it was like we, we broke the grass ceiling and, and they did. It has been a monumental step for women in this industry. And it's not that we win, weren't uh, accepted before. It's just it's given us a, a, an avenue to be out there, to be seen and trying to invite more people into the industry that we all love and uh, encourage to bring other people into. So that event definitely kicked things into overdrive and just having the respect of, of a lot of people that we didn't even realize we had that. We love it. We, we want to keep this moving and keep it going. You were not able to be at the Olympic club last year because of your responsibilities at Westlake. So I know you wanted desperately to be at, at Pine Needles. Once it came together that you were going to be able to make the trip, how did you prepare and what was your reaction to all that? Last year, uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go. Um, you know, I had just taken on the job at Westlake and, and not having a true assistant here. Uh, they didn't feel comfortable me going that far away. Um, and then this year, you know, he said, you know, if it's ever on the East Coast, we'll, we'll think about it. And so for the last year, I, I got my staff into a position where I knew I could trust that they could handle things while I was gone. My mentor, Dan Mears, and my son took the wheel and, and guided them through the week while I was gone. And allowed me to go do something they knew was very, very important to me and, and the women in golf. And my boss understands it now. And, and uh, he really has understood it the whole time, but he really understood the me, you know, what it meant to me to be able to be there with those 30 women bonding and, and furthering our careers as well. 
roughly half the group was at the Olympic Club last year. So it was a reunion for a lot of people. What's the emotional atmosphere like with those women getting together, all of them pursuing similar goals in the turf industry and all of them dealing with similar challenges. So to have everybody come together like that adds an extra layer of emotional energy, I would think. Definitely. I mean, we, we called it, you know, the goosebumps, you know, the, the feelies and, and getting that many women in the same room that get it. Um, you know, we go home and we talk to our spouses and they just, they think we're all nuts. Um, but when you're in a room with 30 other women that, that get it and we don't get together very often and for the longest time we didn't even know each other existed. So now that we know that they're out there, it's just, you know, we talk about everything, um, be it the golf course, be it the sod farms, the, the seed uh, growers, you know, it's, it's everything. It's uh, personal things. I mean, there were a lot of things that came out when we were having our, our downtime that we would sit in the villas there at, at Pine Needle and just talk to one another. And, you know, we're women, we cry it out sometimes, you know, and, and we're there for one another to, to lift them up. And, you know, we, we talked to some of the, the women, some of the younger women that, you know, some things were going on that they were talking about possibly leaving the industry. And the week that they spent at Pine Needle, realizing they had this support system that they never knew they had, changed their their decision. They're like, well, maybe I'm going to stick it out. Maybe these women will help me find a different spot where I fit better. So it's it's a great place to bond um, and, and encourage our, our relationships to grow. We have the occasion to talk with uh, David Fritzke, the director of golf course and grounds at Pine Needles. Chris Mintmeyer is the superintendent on the Pine Needles course. Both of them were looking forward to having all of you there, in part because they've been very shorthanded through the season and your help was welcome. But apart from that, I think they were really embracing the concept of having this group of women there and what they could contribute. It was awesome. Um, by, by like day two, David was like basically telling the rest of the guys, just, just follow the girls. Um, that was kind of his saying. This group just injects energy. We're, we're infectious, as some of the guys were saying, you know, and having come from small, you know, courses that I don't have a very big crew in, in a, I couldn't imagine what it was like for his crew of eight to 10 to get ready for such a big event, um, you know, and they did it. We were there just to help, as we say, put the polish on the diamond, but they did all the work. We were just there for that week to help out and and add that energy and uh, having known that that his uh, his staff took a big hit like the week before the event, uh, his mechanic was in a very serious car accident. So the morale for them was was really low. You know, they didn't know what was going to happen with with him and and having 30 women come in and just lift them up and raise their spirits was was something that they they truly appreciated. So what was the daily routine like during open week <laughs> women's open week pardon me um every morning we were up around 3 30 you know getting ready um we were over to the tent uh with the maintenance crew by i think it was about 4 15 and rolling out the door by 4 30 myself i was on the uh, fairway crew so we mowed the back nine fairways which there were um nine through 17 was considered their back the way everything was set up and uh, afternoons, um, we would come back in 
and do divots after play was done um, as far as my, my jobs were concerned. Um, there are other women that changed the cups and, and uh, raked the bunkers and you name it. There were people from our crew that were doing it that took that task off of David and his crew. Certainly doing it in front of the golfing world is a unique experience. Uh, what was it like to come together during your break time or working with people that maybe you hadn't worked with before and realizing we're doing this for a national championship? The entire golfing world is going to see what we're doing. It, it was really awesome. We actually even had a couple of players come down. Uh, Annika Sorensen actually took time out of her day to come down and thank all of all of the crew, not just the women, but the entire staff that was was putting this on because they understand that without us, there would be no, no spotlight for them to, to show their talents on. Um, so just getting together and, and understanding that we were providing a, a, a course for them, the, the highest, the top rated golfers in, in our country or, or the world to, to showcase their talents on was, was spectacular. Obviously you don't get to watch the network telecast of the women's open. I had the chance to see a fair amount of it and the golf course looked spectacular. I mean, what's it like to stand in the gallery outside the ropes and see your handiwork up close from a viewpoint that not everybody <laughs> sees and not everybody would appreciate it. It really take somebody in the turf industry to fully appreciate what it takes to bring all this together. It's a great opportunity. And a lot of us actually did go out and watch some in, in our downtime that we did have. And, you know, we were out there and we had our uniforms on. So we kind of stood out from the rest of the people uh, that were there and they were like, well, what are you doing here this week? And, you know, we would explain to them that we were on the women's turf team and we were here helping David and his crew. And they're like, oh, women do that. So it was great. I mean, we got to got the opportunity to talk with people that we typically wouldn't, um, and and they enjoyed the stories that we were telling and, and uh, embraced uh, what we were doing. You also had the opportunity to interact with other turf professionals from around the country. What's it like to be able to network with, learn from in an informal setting? And I know there are some formal gatherings, but also some are, are quite informal that allow you to learn from each other. And it really is as much an educational seminar as it is as a golf event uh, for you folks. Right, Rick. Uh, a lot of people don't understand the value of taking the time to, to actually volunteer. You know, we took, all of us took a week or some, some of it even more away from our own properties to go down. And the interaction that you get with them and, and the hearing the things that they do down there versus what we do up here in the north. Um, you know, maybe someday I'll end up down south. So, you know, making those connections with the guys from Poland Weeds and, and uh, John from Pinehurst, number two, he took time out of his day and let all of us women come down and enjoy uh, a little tour of Pinehurst number two, you know, and that, that's something I probably never would have done if I hadn't gone down to volunteer. He brought his, his younger daughter uh, with him and introduced her to all of us. And it was, it was great to have that interaction and see how that, that love between a father and a daughter, um, he still makes time for his, his kids. 
he said to us, you know, and, and I didn't realize because I took a path through public golf courses, municipal golf courses in, in the military, thinking that that was my only path to be able to be a mom and further my career in turf. And as I talked to him, I'm, I'm realizing maybe that wasn't the truth, that some of these bigger courses that you have a mindset of, you know, they don't understand the work-life balance that a mom has to have. He gets it. He goes, I don't miss any of my daughter's lacrosse games. He goes, there's something wrong if I can't take time out of my day to go spend time with my children. So that, you know, he understands the difference that needs to be made in our industry and in a work-life balance. So it was it was great to, to see that. And I wouldn't have seen it if I hadn't gone and networked with them. Talk about work-life balance. And that's something that Golf Course Industry Magazine, the folks who really own this podcast, has devoted some time and editorial space to over the last couple of years. Do you think that more attention is being paid to that topic and people are becoming more aware of it, whether it is the superintendents themselves, their teams, or their bosses, that this is something that is important? I, I think it's a collaborative effort. I mean, we're seeing how it's harder and harder and harder to get employees, whether it's just your regular staff that's working with you or your assistants or superintendents. It's And a lot of the things that everybody's bringing up is the work-life balance. Um, back in the day, it, you were frowned upon if you didn't spend 80 hours a week at your course. And now that 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 thinking, I believe, is starting to change. I've been fortunate. I've worked for a lot of people that have told me, you know, the grass will be there tomorrow. It's, it's not going to not be there tomorrow. Um, so go home. But when you're at the top and it's all on you, it's hard to say, hey, I've done my eight hours. It's time to go home. Um, so I'm learning. Um, I have a crew that kind of looked at me this year and when I was starting to go home lots of times when they did and went, you know, what's wrong? Are you ill? <laughs> and, and I think it's because I've been in the industry long enough to realize that there are times that you can go home. There are going to be times that you got to stay, but there's more times that you can go home and it'll be there tomorrow. It doesn't necessarily have to get done. right. The thing that comes to mind is particularly if you're the head superintendent, you get the blame if something happens. Um, and I think, I think a lot of the people in the profession, and this is going back some years now, we're always afraid if I go home and something happens, I'm going to be held responsible. It's going to cost me my job, this, that, and the other thing. And in some cases, that has been the case. Perhaps things are shifting in a different direction that you hope the head superintendent has a capable team working with them that they don't have to be hands-on yep. 20 hours a day. <laughs> yeah, I am fortunate this year to have uh, a couple guys that actually live within five minutes of the course. So um, they've come to me and said, look, there's, there's no sense in you having to drive 45 minutes to come in to turn off a head or something really simple. So they're like, you know, can you show me how to do it? They're, they're eager to learn. And uh, I said, no problem. So it's, it's great to have that staff that can step in and allow me to have the time away as well. Um, and as you know, my, my son, um, who hopefully is, is going to be headed off to Rutgers this, uh, 
this winter um, is another one of those that, you know, he's learned a lot over the years and, and I can rely on him a lot as well. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that. Having your son there who has shared his mother's passion for the turf industry, and we've interacted uh, with your son on a couple of occasions. Uh, he's obviously very enthusiastic about it, but he and your team had an idea of what needed to be done when you were away, whether being away for the Women's Open or just taking a day off. And that in today's world is more important than ever as the demands on superintendents increase, expectations rise. That's just the nature of the beast. So how important is it to have a team that you feel comfortable with, that you have faith in, and has the knowledge and experience to take care of what may ever happen so you don't have to be there day and night. Yeah, Rick, it, it's monumental to me to be able to have a staff that that gets it, that can I can trust to get things done in my absence. Um, it allows me to be able to, to do the things that um, I also want to do to further my career, like volunteering down at Pine Needle or you know going to a GCSA NJ event and, and having to leave the property just for a day. Um, being able to have a crew that, that understands um, the importance of what they do and the role that they play um, allows me to have that opportunity. So I appreciate them and, and they know that they're appreciated. And that's, I think, another part of that, that puzzle that, you know, they, they don't feel like they have to do it. They're doing it because they want to and that they're appreciated. I think that's so important in any walk of life. And I think it's natural sometimes if you've got an employee that has done a reliable job for a sustained period of time, sometimes employees like that could take them for granted. And it's so important to let people know their efforts are appreciated, whether it's through increased responsibility, whether it's monetarily, and that matters. But I think the most important part of all that is making it clear on a day-to-day -day basis that this person's appreciated. Definitely. Um, you know, and I do that for my guys and, and I've, that's been a way of life for me from day one. Um, you know, my, my refrigerator is usually packed full of Gatorade, water, ice cream, whatever. And, and, you know, once a week, I'd normally bring in the donuts from, from Duncan just to say, Hey guys, I appreciate what you do. Uh, it doesn't go unnoticed. Let's talk about uh, volunteerism. And obviously that was, apparent at the Women's Open with the core female volunteers. But that's standard procedure for a big event that superintendents will take time away from their own jobs with their employer's permission and help each other out at a major event, a tour event, a USGA championship, whatever, uh, or just if a colleague needs help, even if it's somebody that theoretically they're competing against or their club is competing against uh, that mindset of we're all in this together is something that has always impressed me since I started writing about the turf industry. And it impresses me more and more every day as I interact with people and feel their passion and their willingness to share their passion with me. 
and just seeing what that's like up close. It's very, very impressive. Definitely. I mean, the opportunities to, to go volunteer, um, I, I encourage people to go do it. Uh, just being with them and under, knowing that you're helping them out in a common cause. Um, and then when the day comes that you need something, they're always there. It's just the turf industry is one gigantic family um, that's that's there no matter what. I mean, in a time of need, they're there for you. And it's a it's, it's great to be able to help out when you can. Um, I don't always get the opportunity to go for a week per se, but you know, when I got back from Pine Needle, um, the next weekend was the event down at uh, the ShopRite uh, Classic down in uh, Galloway at Seaview. And, you know, I knew I couldn't take a week off again, but I went down for the weekend, uh, the Friday night and Saturday morning and uh, helped out uh, Mike down there. And, you know, he doesn't have a whole lot of staff down there either. And he's just so appreciative of the volunteers that he does get. Um, so it's a great opportunity. And I actually got to take a uh, little Ricky down with me and uh, we enjoyed that together as well. So what is next for you? You've done so much at your own club at Westlake. You've been involved uh, with the women's group for a national championship. What are some of the things you're looking to do going forward as you have become a voice for women in the turf industry over the last couple of years? I know that's something you embrace. Definitely. You know, I'm going to continue to post on Twitter. I know a lot of people saw those uh, flying out fast and furiously during the women's open. Um, even got a shout out on uh, the golf channel as they uh, interviewed Jill Seymour um, about what we were doing there. And, you know, just continuing to educate people, continuing to be involved in like the grassroots ambassadors program, um, you know, reaching out to congressmen and, and our, our uh, lawmakers and just educating them on what we do and why we do it. Um, now being, being armed with our own state uh, best management practices guide, it's great to be able to walk in and show them this is actually what we're doing to protect our environment um, and helping them make sound decisions that, that will affect us in the future. I'm going to continue to serve on our state uh, chapter board, um, enjoy doing that and and being involved in that way. And, and hopefully it will grow someday, maybe onto the national level, who knows, um, you know, the future's looking bright and the women are moving, moving up in the world. And it's, it's a great thing. And we love to see it continue. How satisfying is it to you? You had a vision a couple of years ago about what you wanted to have happen in the turf industry, but thinking back to when you and I first got acquainted and that's been three years now, I guess, did you, realistically envision having come so far so fast? I didn't, you know, none of us women that are in this industry thought it was going to take off this quickly. I think a lot of it has to do with so, so many pieces of the puzzle coming together. The podcast that you have, the events at uh, the Olympic club and, and pine needle. Um, it's just, we are being more visible and people are hearing us and um, it's just taken off. And I think it's, across the board. It's not just in the golf industry. You know, women are finally speaking their voice and, and being heard. And, and, and that's, that's what needed to happen. Um, everybody is, was missing out on 50% of our population to, to fill our, our holes in our uh, employment issues. And, and now that maybe we'll help solve some of that problem by just being out there and being seen. 
you know, during, during the open, the women's open, we had a hashtag see it, be it going on. And it's like, you know, it's more likely for someone to come into an industry if they see someone like them that's already there. It's much harder to get someone to come in if they don't see somebody that looks like them. And for so long, a lot of us have been the only one in the room or, you know, we're, we're walking through the show and everybody thinks we're someone's wife. And now people stop and go, are you one of those ladies that's, that's in the women in turf program? You know, it's, it's, uh, increasing dialogue with people that that it wasn't there in the past two years. I think, too, that people going into the industry, women in the industry, not only see people that look like them, but are dealing with the same circumstances. They have families, they have young children, and they are balancing all that. As you mentioned at the start of this, uh, you're showing, you and your colleagues are showing them that it can be done, whether they're in your industry, whether they're in some other profession that you, I don't like the phrase have it all, but then you can strike a work-life balance and do the things that you want to do work-wise and in your personal life. Exactly. You know, um, I've had a, a very strong mom in, in my life growing up and she's always told me because you can, and you know, it's, it's pushed me to do things I typically wouldn't have done. And, and I may not have ever come into the turf industry had I not had someone like her, her or, or CCP body from um, our association that encouraged me to get involved. And that's another step in, in this whole, um, whole thing is you don't grow unless you get involved and you get to meet people and your network uh, is key. Jennifer, we greatly appreciate your time. We always appreciate the time and insights you provide for us, particularly now. And uh, continued best wishes to you, your son, and your team, and uh, all the women that you're working with. It's a pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure. Jennifer Torres joining us on this edition of Wonderful Women of Golf. My name is Rick Wolfel. We thank you for joining us and invite you to join us next time.